The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 25th of August uh, for Shopping Month till Christmas. I'll have you know the end of summer. Summer's like not only almost gone, it is gone. And um, very, 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 almost most certainly, possibly likely, the uh, day that the helpful algorithm dropped. Friends, welcome to Webcology. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, and I'm joined by Christine Schackingers from Site Without Walls uh, in Las Vegas. Christine, thank you for uh, sitting in. Dave is um, gallivanting on the American East Coast, on the Outer Banks of all places. Oh, wow. That's a very beautiful area. I lived in North Carolina for a number of years. I wrote um, several pages of content on the Outer Banks just last year, and boy, did I enjoy the assignment. <laughs> Anyway, so Dave's not here. You're in, and you're in an, on a, uh, a fun week. Like helpful dropped probably this morning. That's um for 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 SEOs and listeners who um, have been living um, under a rock and have don't read the SEO press. Uh, Google's coming out with a uh, algorithm update. Um, it's called the helpful update, and um, its goal is to promote useful, helpful uh, content, and I guess demote content that's less helpful or written written specifically like for SEO purposes to goof around with the engine. Um, anyway, it's an interesting week because uh, new, new, new and uh, uh, what, what feel like just over overpowering, overshadowing uh, algorithms are always interesting. This one smells like Team Panda. Um, what, what do you think, Christine? Uh, well, two things, just to make sure people are aware. One, this is not just an update, it's a ranking signal. So it's a new ranking signal. And it is a machine learning ranking signal. And I don't believe, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, but mm -hmm. I don't believe there's any other machine learning ranking signal. No, this is the first. Yeah, because the others are post pre-machine language, you know, BERT and all that is, opposed, is applied pre-scoring. And rank brain, uh, neural matching, super synonyms, that's all in the SERP build, post-scoring. Mm -hmm. This is the first machine learning ranking signal, which I think will be interesting because Matt once said, we will never do machine learning in a ranking signal because if it breaks, we don't know how to fix it, which is not untrue still today. Mm, it, yeah, it, the truth, I don't know if that's true or untrue, but given how fast machine learning um, obviously can go in the directions it can go in um it's hard to find out f figure out where things went wrong 
Very true. And it is still, it is still a problem of, of machine learning today. There's unsupervised <laughs> and supervised and supervised is less likely to have that problem and not unlikely to have that problem. So by the way, um, younger but, listeners, you might want to go back to school. Um, I got a feeling that sometime in the future, the uh, role of machine learning psychiatrist will be useful. <laughs> Where did it all go wrong in the in the in the positronic brain? I could yeah. figure it out. I'm a psychiatrist. Well, and if we think about like what happened with Microsoft and its chatbot that became a racist hate monger within like three days, and Facebook put out a conversation chat like two weeks ago, and within like three questions, it was yelling at me. <laughs> so because I asked if it was human or not, and it was very offended that I asked if it was human or not, and. So people don't know, ethically, a bot, a bot is supposed to tell you if it's a bot. That's the ethics of um, right now uh, of AI and machine learning is that if it's a bot, it's supposed to tell you it's a bot. So it should not have been offended that I asked. Well, I don't know. Given the way some humans behave, I, I, I can see it being offended. <laughs> so it is interesting. But yes, I do believe this is just a personal opinion. I don't know it directly from Google is that they're taking the signals of Panda and the original Penguin, which most people don't realize was about over-optimization and violating the Webmaster Guidelines. Uh, Lynx was like a tertiary part of the original rollout. Then it became mostly Lynx after that. Uh, so I think it's probably going to be a combination of those. Mm -hmm. Looking for low-quality content and then things that violate, literally violate, like AI for ranking. So uh, I, I couldn't get John to clarify this the other day, but... Originally, it couldn't do AI at all. That was bad. And then they changed it. Well, they use AI themselves for a good deal of their yeah, content. But we, but we know Google does doesn't. What Google says doesn't mean what Google does. <laughs> well, indeed. But uh, but uh, but they did say that you could use it if you weren't trying to manipulate rankings. But I don't know how they would judge that. You know what what's AI content to manipulate rankings and what's AI content that's just AI content. So. So I think that it's a combination of those, uh, the original Penguin and Panda, um, basic, not taking those exact things and putting them together, but putting those concepts together. Low quality yeah, I, content, you know, filler content, scraper content, you know, and then violating webmaster guidelines. There's a number of things we don't know about helpful and, um, you know, some things we do know, um, things like that Google has um, either signaled or, given fairly broad hints around, one of them is this is going to, while this might be scoring individual pieces of content, the scoring is going to be site-wide. So um, you don't want to just bury your craptastic content somewhere around level four, or level five on your hierarchy. You probably want to um, decide whether that craptastic content is really worth carrying around with you or not. And in most cases, it's probably not. It's probably worth jettisoning. Um, jettisoning. Um, so it's site-wide. You're going to be judged by something you may have forgotten about um, that, that was put on your site years ago and it's been there and you hadn't even thought about it for the longest time. It's time to review your entire website. Um, get an audit. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously. I get an audit at least once a year, big companies at least twice a year. Yeah. Absolutely. You know that yeah. Google, that, um, not Google, I'm sorry. Uh, I heard the other day that Bing discovers something in the, in the range of 12 billion new URLs every day. I think that's from index now, though. I don't think that's overall. Okay, Pretty but um, if it just imagine, I mean, and, and also remember, a one web page could have um, several dozen URL uh, calls or references in it. Um, so it's not like you're discovering 12 billion new documents every day. But 
that much information going through a system or a a a a a, a, a process um uh, uh i have the feeling that the search engines are performing a fairly massive web cleanup in advance of um, running out of space or something. Well, it's sort of like I talked before about core updates, right? That part of every core update I have recovered a site from, and when I say recover, I mean 100% plus, not 20% or something. Uh, they all had severe technical issues. And I do think part of what Google is trying to do, also by gamifying uh, core web vitals, is to reduce their costs of crawling the internet. There's oh, so much yeah. content produced now every day, so much garbage content that they just want to stop spending so much money uh, crawling and indexing what's out there. Because John had a very interesting comment a few months ago, and he was answering people that said that their pages weren't getting indexed. And they're like, we rolled out like, some guy, I think it was like 200 pages and they weren't getting indexed. And John said, well, you don't just have to be technically good anymore or have people linking to you or write good content. Your content has to be valuable. And so that got me thinking, what does John mean by valuable? Well, valuable is probably the helpfulness update, right? Is your- Possibly, is your, possibly. Your not listeners, this is speculation. I said that, yeah. I said okay, good, 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 good. It's just always, yeah. always important to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying this is my own thoughts. And when John started telling people that didn't have content indexed, that had been sitting there for months not indexed, and there was no technical issues, and there was links to the content, and John said it has to be valuable, that's kind mm -hmm. of what the helpfulness update is talking about, right? You want your content to be valuable. If there's 100 articles about how to pop a pimple, mm -hmm. and they all say the same thing, well, nobody's valuable anymore, right? So is your content also valuable? Are you giving extra information if you're, are you just saying the same 10 things that everybody else is doing? Well, indeed, so but that, 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 that would make me think that Google will be looking at other sections of the website as well. If this is all the same, relatively the same content, are other parts of the website helpful? Because um, if you have 10 people, or if you have 100 people saying the same thing, 10 of them have to make it into the top 10 for that mm -hmm. same thing right so what are true. the factors yeah. that 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 pump that that pump uh that that level of duplication up well, that, so that would be a site-wide thing that brings us to another level of what google said about this algorithm and ranking signal it's going to feel like an update because it's only going to recoup itself every two months or so but it's, well, gonna, and, it's a new single but this is a problem this is a this is going to be a problem for webmasters especially if um we don't know we don't know the outcome of this update yet but we do know that if you fall on the wrong side of it for whatever reason, you might be on that wrong side, scraping and clawing your way up up a very, very, very steep uh, stainless steel sided um, uh, receptacle because you're not getting out until they update again. Right, but unfortunately, it's not like Penguin, which was two years on the last update. They said maybe months. several months. I'm gonna just yeah, a couple months, but when you lose all your traffic, a couple months is forever. But but we need to get into a few things that I was just trying to say. Well. <laughs> is that uh, one? It's weighted this uh, number of pages. So someone like posted yesterday on Twitter. I have this one page of irrelevant content, but gets a lot of traffic. Do I need to delete it? No, they're not looking at one page. On you know, your site has a thousand pages. One page is not going to get you devalued by this algorithm. No, 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 well, no, of course not. Yeah, well, they're looking at tyrant sections. It's sort of like back in the day, and I don't know that this is true anymore. It's just what Matt said at the time. The Penguin link algorithm was looking at 40% or more trash links. 
So if you had 40% or more, you better start disavowing because Google might hit you with an update. If you're at like 20%, everybody has trash lines. So they weren't going to devalue for it. And I feel it's the same. There's going to be some content you have that's irrelevant, some that's not great. But as long as it's not a decent proportion of what's on your site, and we have no idea what the proportion is, um, say so large sections, you know, you want to remove those. But it's weighted. And the other thing is the level of the penalty site-wide is also weighted based on the amount of content. So if you have a thousand good pages and a thousand bad pages, well, there's a really good chance that they're going to give you a heavy demotion, devaluation. But if you have a thousand good pages and a hundred bad pages, they're going to make it a much lighter devaluation. So, and the other thing they're taking into account are other factors. So the other ranking signals still matter. This is a ranking signal among many ranking. Oh, and so yeah, absolutely. This isn't, this isn't yeah. anything that has primacy, but right. if you got crappy content, it's a reason for them to, to go after you. It is, but let's say that crappy con. Okay, so I talked to John about this the other day. Slash dot, right? Slash dot on Facebook. I don't know their presence online, but I'm just going to use this as an example. They just take articles and they publish them on Facebook. They give a link to who wrote it. They give you the, you know, they tell you who the author was. They don't try to steal it, but they put it on Facebook. All sorts of tech and science that I would never see anywhere else. So I really appreciate that content. But under this update, it could be considered not quality content because they're just taking other people's work and putting it on their site, right? But if they also have good signals like good link signals and good quality signals and other signals, those could override being hit by a quality update because Google is gonna use all the signals to determine whether that crap content is not useful. Well, indeed, and in this case, that mightn't be crap content as dictated by um, how many people look at it, use it, uh, move through it. And Google, Slashdot's been around for a long time. Google yeah. Google at this point knows what it's there for because it's consistently done the same thing. And it's still been consistently found useful by its audience. It's not like Google is, 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 is counting user experience um, so closely that it's a ranking signal. It's not. But Google knows when people abandon a website and don't go to it anymore, and when people continue going to it in droves. So well, um, linking to it, right? They'll link to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, so Slashdot is a special case. Right, but I'm just saying, if you're looking at it as an algorithm, how would you know that's a special case? Because they're looking at other signals too. Yeah. Yeah. Not just not yeah. just this one signal. So. Google has come straight up and. Um, well, instead of saying, um, how do you avoid uh, getting in trouble around helpfulness, they've said, how do you avoid taking a search engine first approach? Remember, Google wants you to write content for people, not for search engines. And so they listed off um, eight or nine uh, points. I'm gonna, I'll, read, I'll read a few of the salient ones. Um, this, is, this is from the Google's mouth. So they're asking, is the content primarily to attract people from search engines rather than is it made, than made for humans? Are you producing lots of content on different topics in hopes that some of it might perform well in search results? Are you using extensive automation to produce content on many topics? I think the keyword there is many topics. Are you mainly summarizing what others have said without adding much value? That's a not problem. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you writing about things simply because they seem trending and not because you'd write about them otherwise for your existing audience? Does your content leave readers feeling like they need to search again or get better information from other sources? Are you writing to a particular word count because you've someone told you that Google wants X number of words? They don't. Um, 
Did you decide to enter some niche topic area without any expertise? You don't really know what you're talking about, but you know that's where the traffic is. <laughs> um, and does your does your content uh, promise to answer a question that actually doesn't have an answer, such as suggesting there's a release date for a product with your TV show when one hasn't actually been confirmed? Um, or saying that a algorithm is dropping on a specific day when nobody actually knows when it's coming out. Because um, <laughs> yeah. that happens. Well, you know, I've seen it happen. Well, we should touch on two things here, too, really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, expertise. Uh, so expertise is not go find an expert, pay them $1,000 a page, and slap their name on your content, and now you're good. That is not expertise. Now, this again is my personal thoughts on how Google is measuring expertise, but it is the one that would make the most sense given what they already do. And that is entity construction in a document and using related entities in that document or super synonyms in that document among a corpus of documents that use similar things that are known to be good sites is a way for Google to evaluate that you are writing about similar content, right? So you have to write knowledgeably, but like Jim, you're a writer, you've written about a lot of things you're not a quote expert in, but you write very knowledgeably because you do the research. Well, and, and again, you... but remembering this is a site thing. So say I'm, a, let's just say the site is an automotive website, right? It's about cars. Lots of people write about cars. It's lots of great stuff to write about cars, but I write about hamburgers instead. Why is my hamburger article in an automotive website? There's zero expertise uh, expressed from. That's, well, no, 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 the, the, the author of a hamburger algorithm. article cannot be expected to be an expert in automobiles. Like, that's just so not going to happen. No, no, that's not true. Mm. If, I'm a write, if I'm a writer for the New York Times, how many different mm -hmm. topics have I probably written on in my career? Oh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But when we're, right. when we're talking about the expert level information that helps me fix the car, chances are you're not the one who has it. You're just telling me why one car is better than another. Well, that's true, but that's different. That's like, uh, you know, detailed information at a specific level. And still, you don't have to have an author on it. The site can be the author. The site can well, be the that, And that's what I was totally getting at. I was, that's what I was yeah. trying to get at. The, the fact yeah. that, 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 like, you know, I'm a food columnist, not an auto columnist. And, I you know, a food blog would not, a page in a food blog would not, probably do well in an automotive website because of the expertise thing um there's no you know why you're writing to that well yeah and it's sort of like if you're cars.com it doesn't matter if you put because they've been around since i worked on them i think in 1990 everyone's had an automotive client everyone no no no, no but i'm saying something like cars.com hmm? it's been around i think since like 2000 sure like that's how long the site's been around so it doesn't matter what authors they put on there. That's not gonna change how their content is perceived by Google because their site is already known expertise site. They mm -hmm. write knowledgeably about content. And that was my point. It's just that there's this like thing, especially for small to mid-sized business owners who are putting tens of thousands of dollars into getting like an expert to write something when they don't need to do that. They just need to have somebody who can write knowledgeably about the content, who knows it well, who can write about it well. And, and that doesn't mean, though, that like on a doctor's site, like a medical site, that having a doctor review the content doesn't help you with users and trust. It does. But it's just saying for a purely ranking signal, Google's not looking at that. What they're looking at is, are you covering the content well, uh, the way the other million documents they have in their corpus for that topic cover that content? I think something yet that, that both search engine users and webmasters need to realize is um, how to say this. Google doesn't know whether I, as a writer, am a medical expert or not. It doesn't know. It just 
like I, we never actually had a conversation about it. It hasn't seen my credentials, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, and I'm one of a hundred gajillion writers out there. Um, Google doesn't know that, but <laughs> um, Google does know where um, me as an entity tends to show up. And Google does know the words that me as a writer have used in this specific article. Um, it's just weighing all of that stuff. And there's certain patterns and words that an expert would use in this topic and certain things that they just absolutely wouldn't. Comparing to a whole bunch of other articles that have been written about the same topic, Google can come up with a general, actually a very specific spread of stuff that ought to be said and a very specific stuff that, you know, if it's in here, it's like not for real. Um, right. And it can even make those, it can even make those kind of value judgments, I think, to a, to a, to a fairly precise degree. I don't know how precise, but it, it can look at things and say, well, that's absolutely not right. What it could do is look at a cancer article that says bubblegum will cure cancer and knows and, from the look and understand that it's never seen that before. <laughs> exactly. And could that be a scientific discovery? No, because there's no science in there, right? That's like bubblegum cures cancer. It's silly. But someone could write it, but Google would know that from the entity structure, the knowledge graph related items in the knowledge graph, that that's not used in a discussion about cancer. Now, could you talk about saying bubblegum cures cancer is a bad thing and get it so Google thinks it's authoritative? Sure, because you would also be talking about other words in cancer and using negative context around the word bubblegum. So they're able to interpret not full, they can't understand language like you and I talking. They're way far away from that. They're like a toddler, but they can understand content and context. And if I put two words next to each other, they're probably relevant to each other. That I go bubblegum cures cancer. That's a very specific statement that Google could be like, well, bubblegum shouldn't be there. So that's not a quality expertise article. So, um, so, and that's how actually how um, interesting enough just to touch on something. People think AI can't be detected, right? But AI can be detected by AI because if you're writing something with AI, it uses common words that people use. It doesn't use a vast array of words. It uses most common words in a predictive sentence. And it uses them in similar contexts. And it can't make up anything new. So if I said to you right now, fuzzy whomper knuckles means bubblegum, we could have a whole conversation about that. But AI can't. It doesn't have a definition for the first word because it can't make up terms. So AI can actually look at other AI and see that it's most likely. They can't say for sure. But the other AI can say it's most likely AI because it's using common terms that AI uses in the common predictive sentence structure that we would use based on the training materials that it had. So it's a very interesting concept, but it was the, the AI, there's a public AI tester um, that uses GP2 or GP, GPT3, however you say that, uh, from IBM, Harvard, MIT, and uh, there was one other group in there that created it. And it's fascinating if you put your content in there and you know it's AI content, it's pretty good about picking up that it's likely AI content. Now, for people who may have been in that, I mean, like, just sit back for a second. If you've been in the industry for a little while, um, I'm thinking back to the Florida days when, like, you know, Google was um, figuring out link relativity. <laughs> um, this is this is like 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 going from cart and buggy to the moon in a generation. Um, I, it's phenomenal. I'm really it hoping, 
like like Google's search quality is it's just no secret for the last couple of years Google's Google's results quality have been slipping um I think slipping and sliding might be a a, a more accurate Very way to describe so. it yeah. so I'm really rooting for this I'm hoping that this turns things around um Google doesn't suck relative to other search engines but it does suck relative to its own promise um my dad it sucks well, everyone says Google sucks, but no, no, then my, they use no, then they dad. then they don't use other search engines. No, but here's the reason. Well, they don't really know what else to use, right? Um, but but here's an interesting thing that I've noticed. I call it entity trapping, but this is what happened to my dad two weeks ago. He's writing a spec document. He helps design hospitals, and he needs the data on a bolt. He needs the like official mechanic, you know, mechanical data on this bolt, what it's made mm -hmm. of, and the construction and the sizing okay. and everything, right? Someone's right. got to make a bolt. Right. It's a very specialized bolt. So he okay. puts in this in search and all it keeps bringing back is like Home Depot. Here's where you buy bolts. And I call this <laughs> entity trapping. You and I did it the other day. I was trying to yeah, look yeah. up a video about cancer blowing the lid off a jar, right? Yep. And that's right. We only got, got jars. Yeah, we only got jars because jar and lid are associated. Cancer's not. So the knowledge graph doesn't have an association for jar lid and cancer. But if you take one of those words like jarring cancer, then you get cancer results. No, no, so, you know what? I, I, no, it didn't. It didn't work that way. I had, I, it, I tried well, that. Right. I, I had to get to the word metastasized. That's right. To get an actual cancer result, and you, you can't deny the word metastasized. It doesn't, doesn't work with jars. Right. <laughs> so, so Google has what I call entity trapping because I've seen this and it's so bizarre, but it happens more frequently. I will put in a, a term, a search term. And Google has decided only one entity in that term matters because it's the only one that they have a lot of information on. So I'm doing a lot of informational search. And I will rephrase it. I rephrased one time 15 times and I got almost the exact same search results every time, like almost no difference because it kept focusing on entity construction and the knowledge graph and not what I was actually typing in. It was ignoring most of what I typed in. So, again, so let's hope that was a plateau that Google was on. But I think that's a that's actually a function of what they're doing. That's the problem, I think. Well, well, just, indeed. Again, but just maybe they had to go here to get to the next level, to go to the next well, plateau. What I'm saying is, when you and I speak to each other, right? Mm -hmm. This is again my thoughts, not proven, just from the research I've done on machine learning, AI, Google, all that. When you and I speak to each other, if I say "speak," you automatically know what that word means, right? You know what "speak" means, right? Generally. So. So the more specific Google gets about language, sentence construction, things like that, the more it will ignore irrelevancy that it sees as irrelevant. It wasn't irrelevant what I was looking for. This is a video guy puts two, he puts cells in one jar and cells in another jar and one are cancer and he shows how the cancer cells don't know to stop growing, they blow the lid off the jar. There's no variation of anything I can remember about that video where I could pull that up even by putting video in because Google's no longer doing contextual search, it's doing knowledge graph entities and it's really weighted that. So it kept going to things that were just related to the entities in my query, not the words in my query. Well, that's very important when you're doing content writing, right? Because so you, you know that you're not just doing keywords. Well, and that's, that's why I was joking last week that that Dixon Jones must be like the, getting the, the, the man in the UK getting the least amount of sleep right now because uh, InLinks was all about entity connections. Yeah, true. Um, true. So, you true. know, when a helpful, I mean, helpful drop, you know that Dixon's wide awake going, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> How do we work with this? Um, yeah, the, the one thing that's good about it with Google is that if I write an article about all the Marvel comic characters, but I never say Marvel, Google now knows it's Marvel because the <laughs> knowledge graph has them tied together very closely mathematically. Well, and as you had but, said, they're going to be drawing from the knowledge graph to figure out what is and isn't helpful. Yes, 
Like, I, that's my belief. It's, it, I mean, it doesn't make sense. A lot of stuff. Oh, no, no, it totally makes sense. And, and this is why I was saying this is a plateau point they had to get to. Because what Google's been trying to do all along is, um, as they've said straight out, bring the world's information to it for a fee um, and to make a quick buck while doing it. Um, and uh, I think they genuinely. I mean, I know that because we've we've had conversations with Googleites who genuinely obsess over the philosophy of what they're doing and how they're doing it and what what steps they're taking towards what goals. And I think Entity Search was a, 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 an attempt to clean up so many irrelevancies that were coming up in search before by trying to figure out what's what um, stuff matched up with so that they could figure out what people might be meaning. So, yeah. you know, they got to make these steps to get to the next step. Well, yeah, they do. I just don't know that this algorithm is going to help that just because the more specific I get, the harder it is for fuzziness in search. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, again, like I said, let's hope. Like my dad's like, calls me, he's like, why does Google suck? Because I can't find this bolt. I need this bolt information. All it's giving me is Home Depot and Lowe's bolts. And that's because <laughs> Google decided... It was a retail query, right? Yeah. Because he was using the word bolt, which is an entity related to mostly to retail. And he didn't put in things that made it identify as a specs document he was writing. And 90% so of Google users are looking yeah. for the thing that they need to complete the thing that they're doing. Exactly. And But my dad needed the specs <laughs> and could not locate them on Google. So that's why I got the call because he doesn't know anything about search. So it's just like, why do they suck? <laughs> it's like, well, let me explain this to you and bore you completely. So, okay, yeah, so, that, yeah. oh, sorry, but is, is, do you have anything else to add to Helpful? Because we, 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 we've devoted half the show to it. There are actually other stuff happening out there. But Helpful, I mean, Helpful is probably the biggest story, the biggest potential story of the week. We just don't know what's gonna, if it's going to be helpful or not. Well, let's just, let's just, let, just to wrap up with the quick details about Helpful so nobody gets confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, within, within two hours of it being announced, there were four major articles and two guides. By the way, it hasn't rolled out yet, so ignore anything that's written except by 
Google or Barry Schwartz covering Google right now because <laughs> nobody knows. But here's some important information. So the launch date was today, according to Google. It showed up on their thing today, and they told Barry that. Um, it only is doing uh, English queries right now. Right. No other Google Google surfaces. So it's not on Discover. So if you have a lot of Discover traffic and it goes down right now, it's not about this update. Um, although my question is, Google Discover is also based on your site health. So does this not affect your site health score? I don't know, but that's another thing. Uh, site-wide, but also weighted site-wide. So if you only have a few pages, it's not a big deal. This is not a core update. Um, they don't tell us how much it's going to impact. When you go to recover, there's going to be a waiting period. And they're not saying how long it is, but it'll be obviously like a few weeks or a month before they'll even look at you again to recover you. So then there's no instant recovery from this. The other thing I'd really, really, really stress to people is don't start just deleting content off your site. Oh, if your good. Site, do not panic yeah. yet. Don't panic. Yeah. If your site has good content and you're not sure if it's relevant, wait till you see what Google does with it because those pages yeah. will drop. Um, you'll see them in your results. Like they'll drop, they'll be the ones that drop in your overall site-wide. Um, but also because your content doesn't have to have visits to be relevant, it's supporting your topical relevancy. Google has said this. If they have a hundred pages on coffee on a site uh, about drinks, and they have one page about coffee on a site about drinks, they're going to assume the hundred-page site is more authoritative about coffee if it's good quality content. And it's linked to other factors as well. But but the quantity of your content is not your problem. Is your It's your quality of your content that's your problem. So don't just start deleting things because you actually could really hurt your site. Yeah. Don't panic on the on the onset. Even if you if you look like you lose some rankings, observe for a day or two before you start to panic. I mean, after if after yeah. a day or two, you you're in free fall. Well, I mean, hell, uh, panic. <laughs> but still, but actually, don't still don't panic then either. Yeah, wait till the end of the two weeks because we all, you and I know, because we've been in this industry long enough, they can roll something out, find out from the chatter, it's blowing stuff up that it shouldn't, and then recall it a bit and then re-roll it out. So. Well, and also flux happens. And sometimes when yeah. uh, search results shift, they, they shift visibly and they might stick there for a day or so. And then that day or so you're panicking. Um, but then they shift and, again. Flux and don't happens. any of the, the tools that are not your actual data. I remember waking up one morning and I was working for this big publisher and it was on the top 10 losers on this update. And yeah, I went, yeah. oh my gosh, rush to my computer, don't even brush my teeth or anything. Look, 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 we're up 20% because the tools only have limited data. So don't look at tools to decide whether you are hit. Make sure you're looking at your real data. You know, an interesting question now that you now that you just you mentioned it. Um, are, uh, first off, I think this is going to be a very impactful update. Um, I think I it's going to impact a lot of the web. Um, so that makes me wonder, is our relationship to what we think are our, 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 our um, normal user uh, traffic, our normal, our normal link traffic and user behaviors on our site, I'm wondering if this is one of those updates that's going to have um, a change on user behavior over time. And uh, I, got, I got actually a kind of excited feeling it will. Stronger content so. means people get to what they need to get to faster, which means they'll treat websites slightly differently. Well, I have four that are in the niches that they're looking at. By the way, they're looking at shopping, tech, self-help sites, and educational online content. Those are the big four that are going to get hit. But um, yeah, no, I agree. I have four sites that are in that niche. So I'm excited to see what happens because they all have good content. So, uh, and oh, um, 
Oh, I had one more thing that we should. Oh, one more thing people <laughs> should remember. When sites go down on a big, because we haven't had an update like this since Penguin and Panda, right? No, this is huge. This is wonderful. Okay. So most people that are new to the industry who did not go through Penguin or Panda probably aren't aware that when other sites go down in mass, your site can go down and have no problems because you lost link, lost link value. Oh, yeah, so indeed. You have, eh? a bunch, you have a bunch of sites that are hit, and they're they're devalued now in Google because when the hit is basically Google lowering your value in Google, saying you're not a valuable site, right? So the link value from that site decreases or goes away completely. So sometimes you can have a decline when an update happens, but it's not you, it's somebody else. But usually that'll happen towards the end or after the update because it all has to process and Google has to reprocess the link graph. So if you see a drop after the update's over, it's probably not the update itself, but probably more something like that. And then every two months, you're gonna have to keep an eye out for actual drops, but just keep an eye out that if a bunch of sites got demoted, uh, your site might lose value too. Bottom line, you should always be updating or, or improving your content. You should always be looking to create better and more useful content. And anything you're putting up on the web before this update, long before this update, years ago, should have been useful and helpful to people who are coming to your website because what the hell else are we doing here? Like yeah. really, <laughs> like it's, it's just web pollution if it's not useful well, to the person who's there. We know people that produce web pollution for money, so. I do, I know. Um, I still think it's web pollution. <laughs> it is. I like that word. I like web pollution. That's a good word. Okay, um, we have the other stuff happened, and you know what? The, here's one that um that actually I think really fits in with uh with helpful, and it's on on the comment section of your website. Okay, Google thinks that user comments are useful content in uh in some cases, and in and in many cases, if you think of like say a Reddit page, um yeah. very frequently user comment is really useful. It is. It just has to be moderated content because that's the problem you run into is when you don't moderate it or you allow people to put links that follow from their comments. Okay, so John Mueller was talking about comments as content the other day, and he said almost almost exactly that. I don't know if he even used the word moderate, but his basic basic um, advice was keep the good comments and don't don't feel bad about culling the spam. Get rid of it if it's not useful to you, if it's not helping your users, if it isn't um, promoting your message. Don't feel bad about getting rid of it. Now, before you go and you know um, trade your authenticity for um, feeling good about what your comment section looks like, remember people took time to write that comment and might actually have a point when they're criticizing you or your processor service or whatever. But a lot of comments are just spam or people just venting spleen. Um, stuff like that is not helpful to your users. It's not gonna promote your page in any way and it might actually be um, dragging you down. So don't yeah, feel bad about killing it. There's some simple things you can do too, like make sure all the links from your comments section are no follow, especially in profiles, so that's a common tactic all people still use, surprisingly. Um, also put filters on, on words. Um, and then put uh, put in the ability for users to flag a comment for manual review. Because yeah. if you have a heavy comment section, it can be hard to keep up with everything. But if your users are flagging things, then that helps you um, well, keep up with it a little bit better. The reason he noted is somebody asked if it's just like if it's just like no indexing the entire page, and I that just raised his eyebrows. And I think he said no, like, that could be useful stuff. Don't do that. Yeah. Oh, you definitely don't want to index the entire page. There are ways to actually just no index 
to keep the comments out of Google's site with iframes and things like that. There are methods to do that. So um, you can have the comments without Google seeing it, but John's right, comments can definitely be helpful. They used to really help rank stuff. Back in um, online repetition <laughs> management, people use comments a lot to boost well, articles. And so, then, what was that like? How long did that last for? Because you, you, everybody knew the new SEO whose job was comment spamming, and they were so proud of themselves to have the job of <laughs> comment spamming, right? Oh, it worked so well. We had a client we did ORM for, and we only did our own ORM for people that were unjustly being attacked, never, never any of the bad guys. But somebody kept re-putting their comments every time we tried to get the comment pushed down <laughs> and it became the fresh con comment and so it kept bringing everything back to the top that page so it was crazy but the other thing too but people should know by the way if you have a search function on your site and that search function can create indexable pages those can actually get you hit with a user generated spam manual action so not just comments but also search functions that create pages on their own when people type things in just some, so people are aware of that as well. Okay. Um, no, because I worked on a site that happened too. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, we're 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 into our fifteen minute zone, so we got about fifteen minutes of uh, of show time left. Um, here's a fun one. Here's one I you know I, I, you're gonna like this one. This one this one this one is is something that like that I know you frequently. Uh, 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 I think for one of a better word, you complain about about how uh, some webmasters treat the Google quality raters guide as a owner's manual rather than a parts guide to uh, you know how Google works. So John Mueller again wants to remind you that the quality raters guide does not contain a single ranking tip that contains tons and tons of words, lots of letters, <laughs> some vowels, some consonants. It contains a few numbers here and there. And amongst those um, vowels, consonant numbers, letters, and entire sentences, you will not find a single ranking tip because they're not in there. Well, that's the thing. So the, the people get confused on is because the quality raters guide is not written for SEOs. And the only reason I really think Google ever started publishing it was we would find it as SEOs and someone would publish it. And then Google had to deal with the fallout of this document being yep. publicized, right? So, so the quality raters guide, it's just for the quality raters. And what people don't understand is quality raters are QA people. Google does a test and it says, hey, we want to meet this goal with this test. What sites oh, did we search? What, what are they QAing? Just get that in too. They're the SERP pages. They're, they're QAing yeah. SERPs, not pages, right. SERPs. Right. Sorry. Yes, SERPs. No, 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 no. I just yeah. want to make sure the readers, the listeners get that because so Sirps. many people don't get that part. Right. Exactly. There's, they're not looking at individual pages. They're looking at did this, this big content helpfulness change bring back relevant quality sites. And they use the quality raters guide for people who don't know algorithms or websites to help them evaluate whether that happened. It's like any QA person, they get a list of things to check. Did I press this button and it went here? Yes, that's a check plus. Okay, so this is the same thing. They're just like, these are the sites we wanna surface. So a lot of people mistake that for saying these are the ranking signals that Google's using and it's not. And the other big thing, they're not taking that quality rater report and putting it into the machine learning directly. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've seen really well-known essays. Are you kidding me? Dear, no way. No, they say this, yeah. So so people know quality raters get thousands and thousands of tests. It's they had 740,000 740, tests last year and only 4,000 of those tests resulted in changes to algorithms. So 
those 740,000 tests are the quality raters who are looking at the search results to decide if they're quality or not. And then telling Google if that test was a quality test or not a quality test, Google assesses the data. Then if they decide it was a quality test, they'll repeat that test over and over again till they get enough results to make it meaningful. And then they send it to the engineers to review. And then they send it to the privacy people and the legal people and even people high up in Google to make sure this is a change they want to add to the algorithms. So it's never directly added into the machine learning, that no matter process, what That process you might, take, might take months, even a year. Yeah, or even more, right? It could take many years. Like so, so the quality. So the so if you want to read the quality raters guide for the idea of like, I've never built a website. How do I build a good website? Read the quality raters guide because that's awesome. It will tell you how to build a good website. If you want to do well in SEO, read the SEO documents that Google puts together for SEOs, plus how search works. For what it's worth, how, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in any way contradicting what Christine, what, what you just said. But I want, I, I want to sort of remind listeners why the Quality Raiders Guide got to be so important. See, for the longest time, Google wasn't as transparent as it, as it appears to be trying to be today. Google was pretty damn opaque, actually. Um, yeah, very, very opaque. The best we had as a window in was Matt Katz, who was a tremendous, wonderful, extraordinary, great spokesperson uh, for Google search, especially given he was the, the, the head of the uh, search, search spam team. But Matt gave us snippets of insights. He didn't go nearly to the depth that you get John Mueller or, um, uh, or, or anybody, any of the other Google spokespeople. Um, didn't, didn't even go close to the to the depth that, uh, that 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 we're getting now from Google, and so the quality raters guide was the closest thing SEOs had to knowing what Google wanted um, in its search results, not from his website and not to get a website high in the search results, but it does give us clues, and they're just clues. And like any good detectives or diag diagnosticians. You take a bunch of clues and you put your very best guess together. And that's how the quality raters manual, quality raters manual served <laughs> SEOs. It did, yeah, yeah. But not from, not because it told us how it worked, because it gave us clues that we would debate ferociously with each other to come up yeah. with truly half-baked theories that were <laughs> frequently true, but sometimes not. It would give us, it would give us a, a clue to reverse engineer from by using our own sites and data and tests to discover if it was true or not. But you're right, back then we didn't have the developer docs or the webmaster guidelines. We didn't have Martin so, Split. We didn't have any right. of this. No, we didn't have any of this. So so the thing that's really that I, I fear that a lot of younger SEOs miss is there is like if you do Google SEO developer doc and you always have to say Google developer doc because they suck at SEO. <laughs> so Mm -hmm. You won't find them if you don't do that. But if you do that, you'll find that they have like beginner uh, something in advanced SEO documents that go through everything spec by spec, like how to implement schema, what schema actually results in a rich snippet, what schema do you have to have to make sure that it shows, because some schema you have to have and some you don't, like video schema mm -hmm. you have to have. And then on top of that, they have the how you search works document and they go through the five elements of what Google is looking for and rank is using in ranking signals. And they don't specifically say this ranking signal or that one, but they're talking about the things that the ranking signals talk about, right? You know, content quality, user intent, uh, usability of the website on certain factors that Google looks at, like CWBs and things like that. 
So those documents are so much more informative than the Quality Raters Guide if you're trying to rank better in search. And a lot of people will do something in the Quality Raters Guide and they'll assume that it did something because the Quality Raters Guide said X, Y, Z. And really what they did is they accidentally hit on an actual ranking signal that they fixed. So there are, like you said, there are no ranking signals displayed in the QRG except uh, possibly links. Gary said that one time, but, um, but that's it. Right, and so you're, it is. It is unfortunate that people have come to rely on this so much, because nowadays you actually have lots of information from Google that tells you, you know, truth. Like there are some things Google budges about, like links don't matter and all you need is quality content. Those are both not true. But overall, the the developer docs are really, really good docs, and they are extensive, and they go over everything in search and the webmaster guidelines. Something that you know that every SEO should have read at least once a year, see what's changed. Of course, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. So QRG great for building a website. I don't know how to build a quality site. Here's how I build one, but not great for ranking signals. Now, one last point on this: when Google does make changes to the quality raters guideline, and when Jennifer Slag writes the absolutely comprehensive article on what that change was you should read it you yes, absolutely should but jennifer is not giving you a ranking signal and she's she's not saying she is either um no but, she, she's great yeah she's the best one. i didn't mean to interrupt so i'm sorry but i just want to jump in there Jen's you know, documents on the quality raters guides are pretty much the ones you should read and only those and by the way, if, 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 if nobody recognizes the name Jennifer Slag, anyone who's running AdSense on their website, if you're making a couple bucks here and there um, running AdSense on your website, you have Jennifer Slag to thank for that. She didn't come oh, up cool. with the program, but she popularized it for webmasters and helped Google uh, refine it as an independent. She wasn't working for Google, but her, her input um, was heavily valued by Google, and she helped them uh, refine how they worked with um, AdSense. And that's why she called herself GenSense for the longest time. I did not know that. That's very cool. There you go. You know what? We're going to make that uh, just for, for listeners. Uh, Christine and I eventually, when we get to it, are going to be embarking on a history of SEO and interviewing that number of people who've been in the industry for, for years and years and years and years. And um, so you might have known that story before, but you would have learned that story when we got to Jen. Yes. And that's awesome because now you said it publicly. We have to go through with it. <laughs> oh, indeed. Eh? Um, and incidentally, no, okay. another. Another public thing I do got to say, uh, a little bit more than house cleaning, Web College is always looking for sponsors. We're looking for a sponsor for this and every show that we do. If um, you're interested in sponsoring this or any WMR.FM show, please get in contact with Brasco at WMR.FM. And he will hook you up with like some serious spiffy advertising packages at a price that meets your wallet. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Back to Jen's like really quick. Just uh just one thing on Jen, and the reason yeah. I say to read her her guides is Jen actually contacts Google about anything she doesn't know. They respond to her. They let her know, like they don't give her secrets or anything, but they, they do let her know whether she's on track or she's not on track. She never assumes anything, and she never puts anything in there that's speculative. She puts in things that she actually knows, and she does the research, and her guides are the, the best guides you could find on Quality Raiders Guides. And when she says in there, like this last time, they're focusing more on this. So this may be the direction Google is going. She's not telling you that's a ranking signal. What she's telling you is Google might be changing direction on how they focus on quality content. And you want to pay attention to that. So that's what's so good about her is that she's not telling you things that aren't factual. She's telling you things to the best of her research and the best answer she gets from Google. Yeah. Here's a cool story. 
I'm not sure where this goes in the in the future, but that that Google can do this and can isolate um, work like this, I, I find delightful. So Google Discover um, is now allowing um, Google users to hide content from specific authors. Um, so in, in the uh, Google Discover has a, a little drop down that will give you a selection that will say, um, don't show content from an author name, I guess, depending on who's being cited in, in, the, in the, the, the little uh, Discover box. That is um, knowledge graph um, on steroids. That's amazing. It is. I just don't know what it means. I don't know how many people use that too. Do people really know who writes their content? Well, no, but but Google Discover is you know now oh, Google Discover. I'm sorry, I I should have I should have uh, preceded this. Um, last week Google Discover um surprised people by removing the little URL underneath the search result and putting the author's name in instead. Now remember, Google Discover is its own special part of the search engine. This isn't Google Organic Search. It is a part of organic search, but it's not the 10 blue links that we um, think of when we think of, 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 of organic search. Um, That's machine learning driven. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Thing, so uh, the, the thing, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the, the, the information and the references are drawn differently than they will be in, in, in organic search. The one thing that does affect your Google Discover is if you're under devaluation or a manual action, you will see decreases in your Google Discover traffic. So again, you will not be shown as much in Google Discover, but it is not organic. You're not ranking on organic as ranking signals. They're just taking like they do for ads and they're taking your quality score and they're adding that to it. I do think that, um, and, and this is not happening in organic search yet, but I do think that, the, that, that Google applying the author's name to a specific result, even if it was in Discover, I think was a significant thing. And, um, being able to um, turn off specific authors and, you know, I wish Facebook would give me that option. Actually, Facebook does give you that option, but only for 30 days. Um, <laughs> I, I, anyway, I, think, I just think that's a very cool thing. I don't know a lot about this. I have no idea what signal, signal Google gets if 10,000 people decide to not read this author. I don't know if that's a signal at all, but you can do that now. Yeah, that would be really easy to game. So, you know, okay. about those farms overseas where they have like a hundred or a thousand phones and it just, people just click them all day. Yeah, so, so I, don't, I don't think that you could possibly send Google a signal yeah. like this because Google's wary about stuff like that. Yeah, you could though. Google's made mistakes before. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have knows. to test it. We'll have to make up an author and get them in Discover and test it. Can we get them banned? That would be helpful. Okay. Yeah. Core Web, we're, we're into our last, last stories. We've got like just a few minutes left here. Core Web Vitals adds URL level data. Um, I think that's very, very cool. Um, right now, Core Web Vitals will tell you how like, you know, specific pages score and how um, things transit across. Um, how, 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 if you, if you go to um, Lighthouse or if you um, measure a, uh, your home page at uh at search console that's not page by page data but now you can put page by page into search console and see um how your uh yeah how your site is ranking i'm sorry how the pages 
<laughs> Not right. Yeah. Basically, what you do is if you have a, let's say, a LCP or CLS issue, you go to that uh, chart and underneath it used to just have example URLs. Now, if you click on the example URLs, it will show you other URLs with their actual um, score, their CLS or their um, LCP or FID score next to them. Thank you. So you're not then, getting an average for the entire site. You're now seeing specific specific pages in your site. Exactly. So if you have like 100 pages that are showing as above 0.19, now you know which 100 pages those are, except of course it's limited because it's Search Console, so you only get so much exported data. But on uh, Sitebulb, they actually have an export in the performance section of their site that uses this data, uses the Google Lighthouse scoring, and you can actually get your CLS, FIDs, and LCPs for every page on the site that you cross. That's one thing that's always frustrated me so much about Google. Other tools, you can use like the entire fire hose that Google is providing them, but Google itself won't give it to you. I know. The only thing I can think of is just because of the quantity of users and the amount of data they would have to store for every site, including sites I had for my account for like 10 years, no one ever took me off of and I don't use anymore, but they're still there. <laughs> so. So uh, I think that's, that's the only thing I can think of because they allow the API data to let you pull a whole bunch more information and that's what these tools use, but they don't give that to you in the, in the browser version. We have gone full clock. It is top of the hour and uh, we got to, uh, we got to split here on uh, Webgology on WMR.FM. So on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls, Christine, thank you so much for sitting in today. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM, recorded live to podcasts on the 25th of August, 2022. Um, if you get hit by helpful, don't panic. Uh, re redo your content, but um, you know, give it a few days before before really freaking out. Rank well, stay safe, be kind to each other, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.